Totally Football Show Continental Edition. Looking ahead to a big week in the Champions League and back on all the weekend news with Chris Smalling larging it in Rome. The sh- really hitting the fans in Berlin and PSG like it like that as Icardi becomes the main man in Paris. It's all coming up in the Totally Football Show in association with Paddy Power. Hello, listener. Welcome back to another continental edition of your Totally Football Show. On board, it's a classic lineup. James Horncastle. Hi, James. Alvaro Romeo. Hello. Julien Laurent. Bonjour. And Raphael Honigstein. Hi. Boom. Hey, hey. We're excited. Champions League fixtures and some crazy results and big stories around the continent. The continent. Condiment. Around them as well. <laughs> All right. What what headline are you going to throw our way just to tease our interest in the Bundesliga this week, uh, Rafa? Well, the big story, James, is Dortmund very nearly losing against the worst team in the league, Paderborn. They were 3-0 down, scored the equaliser in the last minute, but still it felt a, like a defeat and it felt like the beginning of the end for Lucien Favre. Oh, I thought we'd had that some months ago. But anyway, we'll still, hear more. Still beginning. All right. The okay. End. The end of the beginning of the end, perhaps. Okay, Julien, what's what's hot in France? Mauro Icardi scored again for mm. PSG uh, in a very similar fashion to what he does. One touch finish in the six yard box. PSG won again and feel ready with Neymar coming back for the clash against Real Madrid on Tuesday night. Huh? Is one touch finish the sort of thing that Conte advised for? Well, this was going to be my headline. I was hoping you were going to ask me what's hot in City A. It's Conte's <laughs> Karma Sutra. Yeah. And this is the, one of the reasons Reference. why he eventually got rid of, of Icardi because remember those photos yes. where he was on top. Of wonder, yeah. right? Clearly, not the advice that Conte has been giving right. us. Well, you know, funnily enough, Inter are underneath the old lady <laughs> in the city as standings at the moment, <laughs> so that works perfectly. <laughs> Just this is uh, this is one of the most unexpected stories of the of the week, but we'll come on to it as you say. Uh, Antonio Conte's, uh, <laughs> I suppose, Antonio, you can put it like that. <laughs> Antonio Conte's, <laughs> uh, you know, sexual advice column. Mm. In Esquire or no, GQ? No, no. L'Equipe. Oh, L'Equipe. It has That's to be right. French. It, it had to be French. French. Was it not anyway. in Le Coq Sportif? <laughs> All right. Anyway, that and more to come. And also, Alvaro, what have you got for us? Yeah, uh, no parental advisory needed here. Uh, it's just uh, Gareth Bale getting the reception that we expected him to have right. at Santiago Bernabeu. And then uh, Kylian Mbappé and Neymar, two long-time dreams of Real Madrid, are coming back to Santiago Bernabeu for the Champions League game against Real Madrid. So I really want to see if Kylian Mbappé is up to the challenge there. And uh, one word about Barcelona. They have scored uh, six of the last seven goals in the league out of a set-piece routine, which is something that is less Barcelona-like routine you can find. You're listening to The Totally Football Show in association with Paddy Power. We've got a complete programme of Champions League fixtures coming up midweek. Let's begin by picking out some of the key matches... And you mentioned it there. Uh, Paris Saint-Germain, to give them their full name, going to Madrid or to give them their full name, Wales Golf Madrid, to take on uh, Gareth Bale and the boys. Gareth Bale receiving, uh, I think it was 87 decibels of boos and whistles from the Bernabeu crowd, but performing in the 20 minutes he got. Yeah, because uh, that's the story of his uh, career at Real Madrid. I mean, every time he features... and. Uh, it doesn't happen that often. He performs and he delivers. But I cannot recall any Real Madrid player being um, received like this. Uh, I remember that uh, the likes of Martin Vázquez at the time, the likes of uh, Butragueño at some point, maybe they got a little bit of a stick because they weren't performing at the end of the Quinta del Buitre time. But uh, what Gareth Bale got the other day was uh, something unseen and Santiago Bernabéu for a very long time. Really? Not, not even Isco last season because what happened with Isco was uh, they were booing his performances but with Gareth Bale there is a mixture of things that are there in the cocktail maker and uh, he managed to play at the end a good game and uh, as I said in the previous Totally Football show Zinedine Zidane wants to be pragmatic with Gareth Bale he wanted him out he said that in summer that uh, sell to China didn't happen 
And uh, now he's going to use him as a very you know, useful tool because he's a tremendous winger for Real Madrid. Real Madrid won the game and probably the most uh, interesting thing in there was to see how Karim Benzema has a step up at the age of 32 years old to become the Pichichi of La Liga. Mm. He has scored already 10 goals and uh, if Karim Benzema was accused of anything, uh, was his uh, inability to score many goals. And this season he's uh, silencing all his uh, critics. He was the cat that Mourinho didn't want to go hunting with. Yeah. Yes, uh, Jose Mourinho, actually, he brought uh, Emanuela de Bayor to Real Madrid when he got uh, Gonzalo Higuain and Karim Benzema in the squad because he wanted the striker of that uh, physical uh, presence, you know what I mean? And uh, I think that the good thing about uh, Real Madrid now, uh, going back to the game against the Real Sociedad, is that they played against a good team. They started losing 1-0 because Sergio Ramos did a tremendous mistake uh, and uh, William Jose uh, took advantage of that. And uh, still Real Madrid managed to come back, uh, showing that they have a very fresh uh, football, fresh legs, uh, the likes of Fede Valverde, Ferland Mendy, did uh-huh. very good games, which is very good for Real Madrid as well. And uh, everything seems to be all right for the team now. I'm not saying that Real Madrid is going to compete for the biggest trophies, right. but they are definitely in, uh, in a very positive run. Okay, well, they're level with Barcelona on top of the table, yeah. one point ahead of Sevilla in the Liga and in the Champions League. They're not absolutely sure of going through yet. PSG, who they, they face on Tuesday, are... Real Madrid looking Alvaro better than they did back in September when they got done 3-0 of course in Paris definitely and hungry for revenge now as uh, the Parisians arrive how are PSG looking Jules? really good really good now that uh, Neymar is back as well he made his return on Friday night against Lille he played uh, 65 minutes which was always the time that had been decided for him to play uh, got subbed off and went straight into the dressing room as you do a la Cristiano Ronaldo mm. he looked more that he was frustrated by his own performance and the lack of impact that he had on that game more than he was unhappy with Tuchel for taking him off or, because that was again always the plan but he looked he looked very sure of match fitness which was normally he hadn't played for six weeks before that so there's a, there's a question now and a debate back home on whether he's going to start or not on Tuesday night at the Bernabeu which I think would be a huge it would feel like a humiliation if he was not started. But the thing is, Icardi has to start. Di Maria has to start because they both have been incredible in the last few weeks. Di Maria, especially nine goals and nine assists in uh, 19 games this season in all competition, which is pretty impressive. Kylian Mbappe will, will start as well. So do you can you also play Neymar? So make a, you know, the four fantastic together mm. and you play a, a different system or do you keep your 4-3-3 formation like played so well in the first leg against them, first game against them? Thomas Tuchel would have to decide, but it would be very hard to drop Di Maria, for example, and to bring Neymar in, especially in the form he's in. Did you see Zinedine Zidane's comments about Mbappe at all, where he says that he's been in love with him for ages? He said that on Monday, yes. Eden Hazard gave an interview in Le Parisien on Monday, uh, talking about Kylian Mbappe as well, and said, if I can bring him to Bernabeu, I'll, I'll definitely try, and saying that he's basically already one of the best, much better at 20 than Eden Hazard himself was at 20, for example. So there's a lot of, like love shown to Kylian Mbappe by uh, by Real Madrid I'm sure and PSG Zidane. are delighted about that <laughs> Nasser Kalefi yeah Leonardo Thank last you. week yeah Leonardo especially was really frustrated and said listen Zinedine should talk about his own players yeah. before talking about mine PSG are trying to get Mbappe to sign a new deal at the club he still has two and a half years left on his contract and they think that if he commits for a longer period then they will have a chance to keep him for at least more than one season but it's a it's a tricky one. So those talks are ongoing. But I mean, the story between Kylian and, and Real Madrid, we've told it many times. You mm. know, he was there when he was 12 doing trials with the youth teams. They used to send him shirts. They used to welcome him and his family to, to visit the stadium, to visit the training ground, to meet Zidane and all the, the top players. So they've been after him since he was 12 years old. I was going to say that it uh, looks like uh, Real Madrid and PSG, despite all the rumours and all that, they don't have such a bad relationship. Julian probably knows better, but last season there were a few rumours that Neymar uh, would uh, end up being a, a Real Madrid player. Mm. And Real Madrid sent an official statement saying that that wasn't true. It's the first time I've seen Real Madrid saying that publicly. You know, there are plenty of players associated to Real Madrid. Yes, this player will go, this player will move to Real Madrid. And normally the club stays silent about it or aloof about uh, all these things. Not that time with Neymar, which... They were careful to yeah. maintain good relations with PSG. I think that they represented that, yes. Okay. Uh, also on Tuesday, the other Madrid side are also going to be looking for revenge. Uh, Atletico Madrid, that is. They're Juventus, where they lost 3-0 last year. 
Three now, goals from Cristiano Ronaldo. That's so true. And where was he this weekend? Well, he wasn't in Bergamo with the team mm. as they came back from behind to beat Atlanta 3-1. Um, he was left out of the squad officially because they had this game in mind. Oh, when you say officially though, James, what are you suggesting? Well, Ronaldo played in the international break for Portugal. Very well. Partly because those two games were crucial to them qualifying. Um, and since he's been back, Juventus have pretty much maintained the line that they had when they took him off um, in their last game before the international break by saying, look, he's been carrying an injury with his knee. It's impacting on the rest of his body. He hasn't been able to train consistently and that's affected his performances. Um, Ronaldo in the international break kind of did come out and say, yes, look, I never like to be substituted. I've made sacrifices for the team. You know, basically I gripped my teeth and went ahead and played, even though other players would basically said, sorry, coach, you know, leave me out, which I think, you know, in some respects, maybe it would have been better for him to do that um, rather than just go through the motions, sulk, get subbed. So, I mean, he has been rested essentially with this game in mind. Mm. The issue, James, I would say, is that Dybala and Higuain look fantastic um, and are scoring and are combining in a much more fluent way than when Ronaldo is on the pitch. And you always get those Real Madrid numbers of Ronaldo's shot volume, you know, how he shoots more than anyone else in Europe. You wonder when he's out the team, it's like, when he's in the team, it's like, how many shots is he taking away from the other players in the side? And um, But he will come back in this game. I mean, ultimately, the Atletico knockout game, second leg last year, is his biglietto di visita. He's, this, is why card. this is why you signed me. And in fact, he said that after the game. So I'm sure he will come back into the side for this one. You've already threw, but a win here would see them top the group. If Atletico lose this game, though, Alvaro, they could be in real trouble because an eventual winner of the other clash between Lokomotiv and Bayer Leverkusen would be just a point behind them going into the final match day. How's Atletico's form coming into this game? Bad form. They couldn't uh, beat Granada this weekend and uh, we all know that Granada were topping the table not long ago but since we talk about uh, Granada as uh, La Liga leaders they have clinched only one point out of 12. Ooh. So so yeah, uh, it was inevitable but it happened too quickly for them. Back to Atletico de Madrid. Mm, look, there is one stat that... Uh, explains very well uh, the situation they are at. I mean, they have been unable to score in the first half in 12 or the last uh, 15 games. Wow. Which is like, they, they, for any reason, they don't jump onto the pitch uh, with the right mentality and uh, the right game. And it takes them ages to open or to break the deadlock and then to defend it. Because the other day against Granada, they scored first and then Granada equalized very quickly uh, out of a set piece. So I think that Atletico is not in a good uh, moment at the minute. They've got two very important casualties in the defense. Mm -hmm. uh, Jimenez is training, but I don't think that he will make it for the game against Juve. And uh, Savic is also out. Oh, right. And uh, Joao Felix played uh, 15 minutes against Granada, but uh, I don't think that uh, Dio Pablo Simeone will rely on him for 90 minutes. Okay. The thing is, though, and Italians always put a lot of stock in this, is that Morata has probably been their best, best player, player yeah. uh, their most consistent goal scorer as well. Seven, I think, in all competitions. And there is always the inimitable law of the ex who will come back and haunt on mm. his return to the Allianz Stadium. Um, it's not my experience. <laughs> well, he's gone look, many places to return to as well. Eh? I mean, Morata. The, the 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 thing is, we mentioned uh, about how this was the calling card for Ronaldo joining Juventus, that hat trick. Um, but in terms of Sarri um, establishing himself at Juventus as well, the first game against Atletico was really important. Second half performance at the Wanda, they were magnificent. They scored two goals. And they conceded too late, both from set pieces, which was a weakness then. Remember, they conceded two from set pieces in the game previous to that, which was the 4-3 win against Napoli. They've sorted it since then. They haven't conceded a single goal from set pieces. And I think one of the really interesting things is Delict. There's been a lot of scrutiny of his performances. I thought he was brilliant um, against Atalanta in difficult circumstances at the weekend. And I imagine, even though we've talked about... Atletico being a bit of a diesel engine that they'll probably need him and Bonucci um, again on uh, in midweek. And Atletico played Barcelona next weekend in the league as well, so it could be a very tough week for them. The draw against Granada, 
whatever happens against Juve and then facing Barcelona. Not that Barcelona look good, but still it's a hell of a game. And, and the thing is that in the last three big away games in Champions League, Atletico de Madrid lost 4-0 against Borussia Dortmund last year, mm-hmm. 3-0 against Juve last season as well, and 2-1 against La- Bayer Leverkusen this, uh, this season, like a month ago. But Bayer Leverkusen destroyed them. I mean, it could have been a 4-1. So away from home against top teams like Juve, Atletico de Madrid is finding it very difficult. And back to Alvaro Morata, yes, he's playing really well. He'd better play very well because Diego Costa is no longer there until 2020 because he's got a hernia problem oh. and he underwent a surgery. Okay. All right. Big game that on Tuesday. We're going to look at some of the key Wednesday games after this. Jose Mourinho here. Let me tell you a thing or two about special. An 18-year career at the top of football management, that's special. League titles in every country I've worked, that's special. What isn't special is winning the daily jackpot on Paddy Power Games. That's right, Jose. Yes, someone wins an average £40,000 jackpot every single day. So if you win, don't think you're special. No respect. Get over it. Daily jackpots by Paddy Power Games. Jackpots must be awarded by 11pm and vary from day to day. Jackpot is shared with other operators available on selected games. T's and C's at paddypower.com. On Spotify, smart speaker and podcast platforms everywhere, this is the Totally Football Show from Muddy Knees Media. Jans. Vor die Füße von Sancho. Flanke, Tor! Der Ausgleich, Marco Reus, 92. Minute. How about a little bit of Borussia Dortmund and Barcelona, Rafa? Lucky they're not coming in off a humiliating 3-3 draw against the worst team in the Bundesliga. Yeah, I mean, the, the atmosphere is not good at, uh, at Dortmund. They had the AGM on Sunday. Um, the team was booed by some of the members turning up uh, for that. Uh, Hans-Joachim Watzke, the CEO, made a public uh, pronouncement saying it's really down to Favre, dear Lucien Favre, he said, and um, and the team to sort things out, to play with a different attitude, to, to find the togetherness that's been, that's been missing. And the problem for Dortmund is that, once again, the man of the first half performance was so lacking in aggression and focus in, in everything that you need, really, to, to have the foundation to play your beautiful football that fingers were once again pointed at Favre because he is the guy that doesn't, for whatever reason, I think, finds the right notes uh, on the emotional piano uh, for this team. Uh, and they go in, you know, on slow jams and just cannot cannot turn up. <laughs> right. The way, the way, I'm not sure I understand that at all. But, uh, it's like a mixed metaphor. Right. The way that, um, the way that Mamba, who disappointingly only got two because five would have been perfect yeah. but the way that he sprung continuously the, the Dortmund defence is that something that particularly concerns you when you're looking at what Barcelona could do? Yes of course but the problem I wouldn't say wasn't so much um, the defence the problem was that Dortmund as as Marco Royce publicly said didn't know how to press properly I mean it sounded like a big indictment of the coach and he was careful then to backtrack a little bit and said you know what but he always sets us up so well so I don't really understand why but Favre isn't a pressing guy. Favre mm. is a guy who says, you know, we'll play deep, we wait for them to make a mistake and then we take the ball and then we play our game and we'll play through this team. And sometimes maybe with a bit more counter-attacking when you have the likes of Jaden Sancho there. But Dortmund is a squad, if you look at the, the profile of these players, some of them are quite young, some of them are the sort of players that would maybe strike you as a little bit technical, maybe a little bit phlegmatic, you know, your Brunts, your Gutzes, your Hazards, and not necessarily players who sort of adhere to the stereotype of warriors that you're going to win all these battles with. And when that kind of structure of the team, the psychological structure of the team, if you will, is combined with someone like Favre, who is very neutral and technical in his uh, in his rhetoric, I think it makes for a slightly sort of anemic combination. And at Dortmund, people want emotions, they want excitement, they want aggression, they want fight, they want all these things, and they're not getting it. Right. And that is the, the deeper frustration. Sancho's got emotions, hasn't he? Yeah, it was very interesting to to see the article in The Athletic, obviously very well sourced from, from his camp, that he felt humiliated, he felt disrespected to a certain extent, I think was, I don't remember the exact wording, but I wonder if maybe there was a bit of a misunderstanding. I mean, Favre, yes, took him off after 35 minutes against Bayern, you will recall. Mm. And Favre did say, well, he wasn't good enough. But Favre then also immediately said, well, he couldn't train properly for two days. So the way it sounded to me 
and bear in mind this is this is someone who speaks not the greatest of German with a heavy French accent and then that gets translated from the German into English. So I think a lot of the nuance gets lost, maybe for somebody like Sancho, but it sounded to me more like an excuse rather than an accusation. I think you were saying he wasn't good enough because he couldn't be good enough having not trained properly all week. It didn't sound to me as if he was being thrown under the bus. Maybe Sancho misunderstood. Maybe, uh, if you want to be more cynical, they're looking for a way to engineer a situation where maybe leaving will be easier. I, I don't know. I'd like to think it's the first option that really there's just a bit of miscommunication there. Okay. Barcelona, meantime, a 2-1 win coming from behind against Leganes. Yes, and they are in an enviable position if you look at it uh, objectively because they, they are uh, top of La Liga and if they win uh, this time against Dortmund, they uh-huh. are going to end up being mathematically first in this uh, Champions League group stage, which is very right. good, obviously. Inter, meanwhile, are in Prague. So if they win that game, which you know, form suggests they might, then whoever doesn't win this game could be... I mean, it's going to get quite tense for anyone who doesn't get the result in this barcelona Borussia Dortmund clash. Yeah, and the problem is, especially for Lucien Favre, that uh, Hans-Joachim Watzke, in that speech, also explicitly name-checked Barcelona and the next game against Hertha as games that needed to bring a turnaround. And then he also said, of course, you have our trust as well, Lucien. Dear Lucien. So it's one of those situations where you think it might be almost sort of an ultimatum. You know, win or we might have to get rid of you. I think equally fascinating, though, is that Barcelona have the prospect of winning this game and finishing top of the group, but they can still go out as well. Because if Dortmund beat Barcelona and then Inter win against Slavia and against Barcelona at San Siro, then we could be seeing Dortmund and Inter progressing instead, which would be a hell of a turnaround. And to be honest, on the balance of play from what we've seen from Barcelona in this group, not undeserved. Not just in the group, not just in the group, even in La Liga. In, even in La Liga. The way they play is horrible. Mm. The other day against Leganes, Ernesto Valverde tried to change something and uh, he played with a 4 2 3 1, which is uh, kind of unprecedented at Barcelona. They've been playing with a, with a 4 3 3 since Johan Cruyff uh, because he needed to, to change something and that didn't work either. And the second goal of Arturo Vidal, the one that uh, finally signature the comeback, mm. uh, it was a disaster in itself because Arturo Vidal was in an offside position in a corner kick mm. and the came ball came deflected from a Leganes defender into his feet. But Arturo Vidal was in a place where he shouldn't be. Mm. So there is a, a problem in there that goes beyond Ernesto Valverde, even though the easiest solution to fix this Barcelona problem will be to change the manager rather than 24 or 25 players. But uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Barcelona loses against Dortmund because they deserve to, to lose uh, when they played at Signal Iduna Park. They didn't manage to beat Slavia Prague and forget about the record of 34 games unbeaten at Camp Nou in Champions League. These records come to an end one day and I wouldn't be surprised if it happens this week. It could be this Wednesday. Yeah. Wow. Also on Wednesday, Liverpool hosting a Napoli side who beat them in Naples. Liverpool, though, with the advantage of being one point clear in the group and also not being in open civil warfare with themselves, <laughs> unlike Napoli. What's the latest there, James? They again didn't go for a retiro on the weekend. No, they did go and play Milan and were mm. disappointing. Um, today, the club is still deliberating what action to take against the players, so that's been hanging over them uh, throughout the international break, throughout the preparation for the game against AC Milan at the weekend. Um, they were disappointing in that, even though they took the lead against the run of play. Um, just to put this into perspective, James, this is um, Napoli's worst run um, since 2013 in all competitions. They're winless in six games. And... De Laurentiis, the owner who's spent the international break in LA working on movie projects, has also been consulting um, the club's lawyers about yeah, what action to take, whether they, they find the players as a whole 25% of, uh, of their monthly wage, um, or if they determine that there were some ulterior graver violations, uh, even 50% of that. So there's a really bad atmosphere around the team and yeah, I think at this moment in time, whilst there are players, senior players like Khalidou Koulibaly and Dries Mertens who have a real sense of belonging, a real attachment, not just with the club, but with the city and its people, um, this is going to put all of that very much to the test. I think particularly with Carlo Ancelotti, who has had a very, very hard time 
um, A, being told that his players are going to be put into detention and B, then seeing the players essentially abandon him after that Salzburg game. I think it was a big surprise, A, that Ancelotti didn't resign and B, that he was still there when the players came back um, from their from their international break as well, particularly with one big high-profile Premier League job which came available around about the same time. Yeah. Are, they, are they really going to sell uh, Koulibaly, Mertens, Insigne and Callejon in January? Because one of, one of the threats that De Laurentiis is putting is like, you are out in January. Could they do that? That would weaken their team so massively. Well, I think that the issue with that, Jules, is a little bit like what Inter found with Mario Icardi, is that all of a sudden you have a, uh, a very, very good player who, at his best... Is his market value is you know, upwards of 100 million. And whenever clubs are made aware that there is a situation like this at Napoli and the club wants to sell these kind of players, all of a sudden they can't get the kind of money that they would usually yeah. think they could get for top players like that. The issue with Mertens is that his contract is up at the end of the year. Callejon's contract is up at the, uh, at the end of the year as well. A number of players are about to enter the final years of their contract once this season comes up. We're talking about Milik, Zielinski, really important players for this team. So it does feel like we're really at a major crossroads, major turning road for, for De Laurentiis um, and his time at, at, at Napoli because he's usually always, I'll sell Cavani, I'll sell Lavezzi, I'll get you a Higuain, I'll get you a, a Mertens or something like that. Or when the other managers have moved on, Mazzari will upgrade to Benitez. Benitez leaves, will get you Sadi. When Sadi leaves, will get you Ancelotti. Now, I feel this is the most delicate position that he's found himself in in his time at Napoli. All right. They have a four-point lead over Red Bull Salzburg in the group. But picking up points at Anfield is going to be difficult on Wednesday. It's all about Group A, church, isn't it, really, George? Valencia, Chelsea. It's so tight in this group. Ajax, the aforementioned Chelsea... And Valencia, all on seven points. Mm. Wow. With Lille, Lille basically being the uh, the referee in yes. that group because they, <laughs> they could potentially decide who goes through and who doesn't. Yeah, they could even go through themselves. It's unlikely. <laughs> they yeah. need to beat Ajax. They look so good at the weekend. I don't know yeah. if you saw the first goal they scored. Yeah. The, the build-up play was just something else Ajax-esque, again. Ajax-esque, wasn't it? So Ajax-esque. <laughs> yeah. In many ways. It was even better than a lot of football that they've played we've seen this this season. Yeah, a game against Heracles which saw neither team touching the ball in the first minute of the That's fixture right. as a protest against racism. Valencia, Alvaro, they warmed up for Chelsea's visit. They, of course, won at Stamford Bridge. Mm-hmm. They, they won in that way. I in, mean, they, in, that way. in that way, with mm. Ross Barkley missing a penalty. That's because right. As far as I can remember, there was a player, William, was it, who made Ross Barkley very nervous before yes. taking the, the penalty. But uh, it's true that Valencia has a chance to qualify, a really good chance, yeah. but they have to play against Chelsea and against Ajax. They don't have to Ooh. play Lille anymore. Oh. And, uh, they also they, lost this weekend, didn't they? Yes, against Betis. In the last mm. minute, uh, Canales scored a, a beautiful goal to put uh, Betis ahead. I cannot see Valencia beating Chelsea on the basis of what I've seen this weekend. Valencia being relatively poor against Betis and Chelsea playing uh, toe-to-toe and uh, face-to-face with Manchester City. Uh, I think that logic says that Chelsea should be winning this game also because Valencia has a few players who could not feature and they are pivotal to to the team like Coquelin who is still to be seen whether he can uh, make it, but he's doubtful. Also, Garay, the main centre-back, uh, may be out. And Gonzalo Guedes, he's been out the whole season. So there are key players in there missing for Valencia. Right. All that's... Whereas Chelsea have a much stronger lineup potentially now than they did when they last met. Well, and uh, Christian Pulisic, it's, yeah. uh, you know, he has taken the place of Mason Mount, who started the season incredibly as well. Uh, Valencia is not very consistent. And all that said, they have managed to be competitive in Europe much more than in La Liga, which uh, I don't know what I can attribute it to, but I guess that uh, it's a mixture of motivation, a mixture of... Uh, uh, the Champions League can be a great display window for few Valencia players as well and they are doing well in the European stage but Ajax and Chelsea seem to be better than Valencia really Ajax destroyed Valencia in the game at Valencia 3-0 and Chelsea should have at least gotten a draw against Chelsea back in September here against. at Stamford Bridge Well we'll see on Wednesday Well that's some of the highlights of the midweek fixtures in the Champions League of course there's Europa League as well Jules We'll talk about that later on. After this, though, let's get the rest of the news from the weekend's games. You're listening to The Totally Football Show in association with Paddy Power. Hey, Rafa, that Borussia Dortmund 3-3 draw at home to Paderborn wasn't the only 
big shock in an interesting round of Bundesliga results. You had leaders Borussia Mönchengladbach losing to Union Berlin. Union Berlin, sorry. Union. Union Berlin. Yeah. Union. Union. They're now only one point clear. I mean, it's still an amazing season for them, but yes, it was slightly unexpected. I think they weren't quite ready for the atmosphere. Um, certainly, they weren't ready uh, about some of the stuff thrown at them uh, before huh. the game. <laughs> there were barges full of uh, Mönchengladbach supporters. Uh, one, one, yeah, one went down the Spree River, uh-huh. uh, which is a lovely little trip. takes takes about three hours from the center of town down to the Alte Försterei Stadion right. of Union. And as you said in the intro, James, uh, the proverbial also hit the fans yeah. uh, in this instance because um, it wasn't just eggs, but also... Uh, Fecal matter. Yeah, smellier stuff, which was, yeah... Nobody bit, likes. Uh, to nobody see likes that. to see that. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the pitch, Union just did their thing, which is this sort of um, very simple but very high energy, um, direct approach. You know, to stay in the musical um, realm that we've visited before with Dortmund, oh, yeah. very much like a kind of Ramon sort of thing. You know, okay. just going bang, 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 and they couldn't. They couldn't handle it. Borussia uh, Mönchengladbach. Right, looking forward to more examples of musical genres throughout the show. Perhaps as we discussed Bayern and the big beat, they laid on Fortuna Dusseldorf. Yeah, and there was a musical um, part to this as well, because Fortuna were wearing specially commissioned shirts uh, with the Tortenhausen ah, logo on it. Yeah. The dead and trousers. Absolutely. And uh, they played a little bit like dead trousers. <laughs> right. And uh, Thomas Müller went up to Uwe Hennings after the game and really wanted wanted that shirt. Who's Uwe Hennings? Hennings? Oh, the Fortuna striker. He oh, just right. Okay. Really wanted a shirt from him. Okay. Um, but uh, in, in pure uh, footballing terms, uh, Bayern were once again. Did he uh, get the shirt? He got the shirt. Okay. Under um, Hansi Flick, fantastic. Uh, the third clean sheet in a row. Yep. Ten uh, goals scored, none conceded, in the last three. Yes, that's correct. Mm. And. They play like a completely different team, or you might say like the team that Bayern used to play like oh. way before the likes of Ancelotti and Kovac ruined their football. Yeah. Um, oh. So it was very interesting to listen to the players afterwards because, of course, they could have been just nice and, and not talk about what happened in the past, but it basically couldn't help themselves. Müller, for example, was saying, well, you know, it really helps to have a plan when you're out there on the pitch. <laughs> Neuer said, and Neuer has been most of one most diplomatic people in this dressing room in recent years he said you know what it makes a huge difference if the different parts of the teams are 13 40 meters apart or if you're 10 and 50 meters apart you have a connection you can trust each other you can communicate and you have much more control and much quicker ways of getting into dangerous areas so basically in one or two sentences completely taken apart all of the tactical ideas that, that Kovac had which basically just did not w- work for this team where the defence was very deep and then the midfield was was often lost and then the, and the, there was no fluidity up front and Bayern basically, have looked all the managers fault well Bayern have looked <laughs> outstanding outstandingly good and they seem to believe it was all the managers fault so Hansi Flick is soon getting to the point I think where he might cause a problem by being too good Mm. and uh, being linked with taking the job over for the full time um, to the point maybe where Bayern feel under pressure to give it to him, but we haven't quite would reached you, it yet. The why official... would that be a problem? Would you think a Solskjaer effect or something? or what? Yeah, I'm thinking that Bayern are obviously negotiating and, and sounding out uh, replacements for the summer, right. if not for the winter. Uh, but you know, if he keeps winning and winning and winning, it becomes a little more difficult, a little bit more awkward than to to push him out. But he is a guy who already has in his contract that whatever happens next, he will continue to be the assistant manager. So he doesn't necessarily, I think, have this grand ambition, although he enjoys it at the moment because team are playing really well. Um, the, the Belgrade game will be seen as a as a formality. There's not much they, they really need to do there, so they might even rest a few players. Alaba stayed at home because his girlfriend is, is heavily pregnant, for example. And they can concentrate on three or four more big games. They play Gladbach, uh, I think, in 10 days' time for a real top-of-the-table clash and then have a very, very happy Christmas. And then, you know, maybe Maurizio Pochettino for, for the new season. For um, Bayern? Yeah, or for even for January. I think it's unlikely for January, 
Um, Dortmund have also started to look into this uh, possibility, but they've been told that uh, Pochettino is very unlikely to forego his big payoff. I think he's officially on gardening leave, so he's still getting paid, but that only happens, of course, until he takes a new job. And I think, reading between the lines, Dortmund were told that he's quite happy not to do anything in the near future. Now, when it comes to taking over in the summer, I think... Footballing-wise, Pochettino would work better at Dortmund than at Bayern, where Bayern, I think, have made up their mind, or they never quite make up their mind because there's so many different people involved, but the sentiment seems to be that they want a more possession-orientated coach, which I think wouldn't necessarily point in the direction of Pochettino. He can play good football, but he isn't in the Spanish or French school of, of management. So very interesting to see what happens there. Certainly is. All right, still to come, we're going to be getting the latest from Ligue 1, the Liga, and also Serie A, with another controversy brewing around Balotelli. You're listening to The Totally Football Show with James Richardson. Hey, Jules, Ligue 1. It's exciting, isn't it? Paris Saint-Germain top after their 2-0 win over Lille. And who's this? André Villas versus Marseille, only eight points behind in second. <laughs> But he's doing a good job there, yeah. you know? Considering he hadn't managed for a while and he's arriving in other club that is right now thinking more about not spending money and saving money than anything else with a lot of uh, cuts and selling their best players to try to recoup some money because they've spent a lot since uh, the American owner has taken over the club. So he's doing a very good job. They won at Toulouse on Sunday night. It was not pretty. They played for more than, than one half with 11 men against 10. And it's only in the last 15 minutes that they... They broke the deadlock and, and scored, but but it's good for their confidence. It's good for their momentum as well. And and I have to say, I was a bit sceptical when he arrived, but he's he's doing well with what he has, which is not much. Angers still there in third place. But Bordeaux and Paulo Sousa, uh, yeah. the team that's climbing up the table, they beat Monaco on Sunday with Islam Slimani uh, scoring for Monaco first and getting sent off. Monaco, by the way, are the teams in Europe with the most red cards this season. Is that yeah, right? Six in the top five leagues mm-hmm. already, and they, that cost them a few points as well and, and again they were leading when Slimani got sent off and then Bordeaux scored two goals to win and, and Souza is doing a, a really good job there more right. at cards than fans <laughs> <laughs> Monica crowd joke tick uh, also moving up the table Jules I'm so sorry Rudy Garcia's Lyon back yes. on track they beat Nice with 10 men with 10 men yeah uh, into the top half now into the top half indeed and it was again not too pretty. There was more incident off the field because one of the group of ultras oh, uh, was celebrating the 10-year anniversary and they threw a lot of uh, flares on the pitch. The games had to be stopped and because there was so much uh, smoke everywhere. It was quite crazy. And, and Jean-Michel Olas and Lyon, they were very unhappy. They would be hit with maybe a stadium ban or something like that because obviously you're not allowed to do that. And they understand how much the ultras have to celebrate. You know, milestones like that. A 10-year anniversary is a big one. But... They should have done it in a different way. But Lyon won, again, even if he was not very convincing in terms of performance. Mm-hmm. And they have a big game against Zenit on Tuesday night in the right. Champions League, which could see them making a big step towards the last 16. Um, so Is that home or away, Jules? Away in Russia. So right, and Zenit are three points behind them. So it's a key match. Yeah, especially with RB Leipzig doing so well at the moment. Yeah. They're looking like they will go through as well. So mm. it's a big game for them. Big game for Garcia. Let's not forget, he's, of all the managers in the Champions League right now, the one with the worst records. He's only won four or five games, sorry, uh, for all the clubs he's managed. Roma, Lille, mm. Marseille and Lyon. Uh, Loves the 6-1 defeat or a 7-1. Yeah, even losing but. to Pate Borisov. <laughs> do you remember with Roma? Oh, yes. So he's had a shocking time in the Champions League and this is a good time for him to actually put things right. They won in match day uh, four and it would be very good against Benfica. It would be very good for them to win again. All right. Uh, meanwhile, in La Liga, Alvaro, uh, ooh, well, we talked about uh, Barcelona and, and Real Madrid both winning, coming from behind. Mm. There was a bit of controversy about Gerard Piquet and his uh, uh, off-field activities. Yes, because uh, we all know that Gerard Piquet likes uh, doing plenty of things aside of football. And in, in fact, uh, Barcelona... His hips don't lie. 
That's so true. Barcelona sponsorship, Rakuten, comes from Gerard Pique, not from Barcelona's president. It was Gerard Pique who got that sponsor for Barcelona. Okay. Uh, what, when you say he arranged that sponsorship deal, so he also acts as a kind of uh, agent for this kind of thing. Yes, he? and he's got so many contacts because he's also married to Shakira. And uh, yeah. the amount of people they know is unbelievable. Well, the Davis Cup uh, was played in Spain last week. Spain won it, by the way, with Rafa mm. Nadal being unbelievable. He won every single point for Spain in the doubles and in the singles. Wow. So Rafa Nadal was uh, the key man in Spain to win the Davis On another Cup. level. Yeah, yeah, as usually, the world number one. Right. All that said, Gerard Pique has arranged this uh, Davis Cup and uh, he's not having the best of the seasons as well as many Barcelona players. So he's been heavily criticized for driving his attention to different places. And of course, this Davis Cup is... Uh, and focusing him because his group Cosmos, um, they have invested 3,000 million in the Davis Cup uh -huh. for the next 25 years. And he's the visible face of this Cosmos group. Oh. So ob obviously there is some pressure for Gerard Pique eh? because he wants this event to be tremendously successful. It's been a good uh, success. But at the same time, you can really tell that his performances on the pitch, and I don't want to say that Gerard Pique shouldn't be doing something about, aside from football, but his performances on the pitch this season, they haven't been as good. He has received already nine yellow cards. He's not playing against Borussia Dortmund as well because he's suspended. And Is he mm, taking suspension so he can organize other events, <laughs> or, sporting events around the world? Or he's not as, <laughs> he's not as quick, he's not playing well. Skiing, skiing. Yeah. And, wow, uh, that's remarkable. And, and the thing is that, well, this is one of the other problems to what Barcelona is now. I mean, right. I think with many problems in which uh, nothing seems to go right. And uh, that was probably the talking point in Spain this week. The fact okay. that Gerard Pique encapsulates, in a way, uh, many things that happened to Barcelona, where the veteran players, they've, they've got some other things in their agenda apart from the football. Even Neymar went to the Davis Cup in Madrid in between two training sessions, and Thomas Tuchel was not happy, and he said, but I'm not the police, or I'm not his dad, so... Can do what you want. Jules, and probably he was there until late in the night because the games were uh, finished at 3 a.m., 4 a.m. Spanish time. The, yeah, yeah, the no. Davis Cup game. It's not maybe, he was <laughs> there until very late. Crazy. Crazy. Speaking of which, on to Syria, where Juve and Inter continue their duel on top. Uh, Inter with another fine performance against Torino in Turin. But I think we're going to start with Brescia who've been in the news for all sorts of reasons of late, firing their manager, Eugenio Corini, bringing in Fabio Grosso in his place. And he's also, done really well. He's done really he's, well. He's <laughs> lost his first two games by an aggregate score of 7-0. Yeah. <laughs> but the other big story, of course, uh, following their game away at Verona was the uh, racist abuse of uh, Mario Balotelli and the somewhat mixed response from elements of Brescia's club and fandom to you know what should be done about all this. The fans suggesting that, well, there was a long communique, which we don't need to go into, but <laughs> it wasn't exactly wholehearted in its support. No, they but were critical of Balotelli for being arrogant, uh, for not applying himself, um, and showed solidarity with uh, Verona Ultras and the Ultra movement in general. So this weekend, then, going into their clash with Roma, uh, Fabio Grosso seemed to have a similar view of Balotelli's application. He didn't train hard enough, so he was left out of the team for the trip down to the Stadio Olimpico. Yeah, so what we were talking about with Ronaldo being subbed off and going straight down the tunnel and then leaving, but in a game, Balotelli essentially did that in training um, because Grosso, who hooked him at half-time in his first game in charge, basically was taking a training session in midweek and said, I don't like what I'm seeing from you. You're not putting enough effort in. All these other managers that you've had in the past have said exactly the same. So what I'm saying is nothing new. You need to buck your ideas up, go home, have a think about it, and then come back. The following day, he had a meeting with Massimo Cellino, the president of Brescia, um, which was, again, so supposed to kind of not remind him of responsibility, but just remind him to say, Mario Balotelli, we've invested a lot of money in you. We want you to be the success that we know you can be. Please. However, he's then left out of the squad for, for, for the Roma game, which they lose 3-0. He's posting on Instagram saying he's getting some treatment and he'll let you know the media speculate about what exactly has gone on there. Uh, Massimo Cellino then shows up for a meeting of, of Serie A, the league, um, this morning and, uh, and tries to, to, to crack a joke, um, but it, it fails spectacularly. So that's Cellino asked how Balotelli is and he says he's black but he's trying to lighten himself. Mm. 
Uh, and the play on words there would be that he's well, he's you, in a black mood and he's trying to explain himself. Yeah, I suppose um, you know an idiom in Italian is that if you are nero, you are you are black with anger. Furious, yeah. You're furious. Yeah. And he's he's trying to clear things up. Right. But the double entendre here is is very problematic Such a indeed. Thing it's to not say. problematic. It's racist. And right. I, you know, again, we'll have to look for the leadership from the league where there is none as to whether Massimo Cellino gets punished for this. I mean, he is in the right place at the moment because he's actually meeting with these people um, who will be scrolling through their phones and seeing this video. Action has to be taken here. Just to go back, James, on 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 the, the racist abuse that Mario Balotelli suffered when he was playing um, in Verona, mm. there was a, a, a section of, of the lateral stand at the Bentecotti was closed, was supposed to be closed, and then over the international break, they decided to suspend the closure of that pending further investigation. So again, that was just seen as, as, as a very disappointing um, uh, matter and, and just general reaction to a player who, yeah, does have his problems, but ultimately has been racially abused. Right. And as Massimo Cellino said when asked for comment before the game against Roma about this training ground bus stop between Balotelli and, and Grosso, said that you know, Balotelli hasn't had a smile on his face since he suffered that racist abuse, since the communique was put out by the Brescia Ultras, essentially... Yeah, half blaming him. Half him. blaming him for yeah. it. So I think th- there's a lot to un- unpick here. And again, um, whilst a lot of the stories over the weekend have been Balotelli's time at his hometown club is already coming to an end, you can completely sympathise with him. I think you absolutely can. Yeah. yeah. So, Okay, well, that's a, a really unpleasant situation. Hopefully it gets sorted out for him one way or another because, as you say, he may have his issues, but uh, I think we would all like to see him do well again and, and be happy. Uh, that game, by the way, that the rest of the Brescia team had at the Stadio Olimpico was remarkable because... Because of Smaldini. Quando Pellegrini va col destro ad uscire verso Smalling! L'ultima deviazione! Forse di Dzeko! Ma è Smalling a fare... He scored, he set up another goal, right. and he was involved in a third as well. Yeah, third. yeah no, he also set up uh, Dzeko's. Yeah, I don't yeah. think he was actually no, given that get, assist. Was he not? No, I, and oh. I think it was wrong because ultimately I think he heads it against a defender yeah. and it's a loose ball. Oh, okay. But I'm with you, James. He should have two assists. Becomes what the first um, English player to have scored two goals in a single season in Italy since Bex. Um, and yeah, Roma again pushing. I think his agents are, are currently in Rome uh, right. as we speak on Monday um, to see if they can thrash out this agreement with Manchester United to get that deal done permanently. Right, and maybe sign Phil Jones as well because <laughs> there's no end to the good they could do to these. Uh... Yeah, I mean, what we should say about Roma is is um, since well, I mean, since the start of the season, but particularly since Smalling and Mancini, who they signed, who also scored a brilliant goal, and he's a centre back too, who's been occasionally playing midfield this season. Roma have only been behind for 43 minutes wow. in Serie A this season. Um, you know, which I think, given all of the problems that Fonseca has faced with doing business late in the transfer window, overcoming the disappointment of last season and all the kind of issues that there were with last season, um, a fan base that had kind of lost its love for, uh, well, not for the team, but was in open kind of dissent from the ownership. And you think of the injury crisis that had 18 different injuries at some stage. That's why Mancini, the centre-back, was playing him in field. They've done really well, I think, to to still be in the, in in the top four, um, and to be a real credible um, kind of team for, for for qualifying for the Champions League next year. We should go from Smaldini to Maldini himself, right, yeah. because Daniel Maldini um, was named in Milan's squad uh, for the Napoli game, so a third generation of Maldini. Didn't actually come on though. He didn't actually come, but he has signed professional papers as well. He signed a contract nice. in uh, in the international break. Plays uh, as a number 10. He does, which, you know, I think uh, when his squad number's given, uh, maybe they won't unretire the number three, which was Maldini's shirt, which was only going to be unretired for one of his sons. Right. Maybe they'll give him, I don't know, Gianni Rivera's 10 shirt or something like Damn. that. We'll have to see. All right. I think Chalinon has got If Ibrahimovic isn't wearing that by then. Well, we'll see. Eh? We'll see about we'll that. See, okay, yeah. well, listen, the, the other thing I was going to ask about is the other Milan team, which is Inter, who had that fine 3-0 win away at Torino, Lukaku getting his 10th of the campaign. Inter off to their, an even better start than they had under Trapattoni, no, in that in the record-breaking season? Yeah, so it's their, they've won 11 of their first 13 league games for the first time since 1950. Wow. Um, you mentioned uh, Lukaku already in double figures, and um, to find a 
a new signing to have scored that many goals um, at the start of his uh, inter career, you have to go back to around about the same time, 48-49 with Isfan Nayers. I mean, this was the story of the weekend, I think, in Serie A. Uh, Lukaku and Lautaro again doing the business um, for Inter, who are perfect away from home um, in the league as well. The strike pairing at Juventus, the HD, um, Iguain and Dybala, um, who turned the game around, which looked um, beyond them um, right. in, in Bergamo. What about Inter's other South American striker, Gabby Gol? Ah, oh, yes. I mean, this is great, could James. He, because could he, go, could he go back? I mean, well, remember the Dortmund game where where you have Conte essentially complaining, saying, you know, the, the club hasn't backed me enough. They should right. have made more signings in the summer, and yet you've got Icardi, who is still an Inter player, banging in the goals um, at PSG, and then you've got Gabi goal, thirty-one in thirty-eight, and is the man of the match in the Copa Libertadores final. Gabi goal, who. <laughs> was signed when the the, the takeover uh, by Suning happened. He was their big signing, um, and one of their biggest flops um, was where he scored one goal, uh, I think, for them, and then went to Benfica. He struggled to get for game there either, didn't he? Yeah, I mean, he was um, being coached by uh, De Boer um, mm. at the time. De Boer, who uh, subsequently has had some choice things to say, um, he said, uh, "I think this was in an interview a few weeks ago when he was at Atlanta, where he was saying." Uh, we couldn't believe it um, when he was in training. Yeah, we'd been told this kid was called Gabby Goal, but for us, he was Gabby No Goal um, because he just <laughs> harsh. didn't. Yeah, harsh from De Boer, who harsh. had such an outstanding record at uh, Inter and uh, and Crystal and Palace until he went to Atlanta. <laughs> yeah. Do you think they'll bring him back now, or are they just going to look to un- unload him in in South America? Well, at the moment, it looks like they're they're um, Flamengo definitely want to sign him, right? Um, and I think they've been haggling over over the price. Obviously, with this performance at the weekend, his price is going to go up. Into looking to um, they can bring in a lot of money for Icardi, Jalmadio, mm. all these other players that they've got out on loan. I wonder if they have a conversation about this, um, about bringing him back and seeing if they can rehabilitate his well. It was a, it was a non-starter his career in Europe. Maybe he's more mature now. He's going out with Neymar's sister. He is indeed. Um, <laughs> but and he's, I, still, he's still only twenty three. So yeah. you know he arrived so young in Italy, and it was such a change and uh, adaptation and all of that. If you want, maybe now you'd be more ready for it. I don't know. Brilliant. Many many thanks. All right. Well, very shortly we'll have a big chat about anything else you fancy, including the Europa League and Antonio Conte's positional play. Um, But first, some odds with producer Ben, who's been speaking to Paddy Power. Thank you very much, Jimbo. Here he is, Lee Price on the line from Paddy Power. Lee, let's start in Syria and the sack race. Could Carlo Ancelotti be the next manager to go? (laughs) Well, with all the chaos in England, our traders are fed up of sack races. But they do give me these prices. It's 3-1 to Ancelotti leaves Naples before Christmas this year. And it's odds on 1-2 to that he's gone before the end of the current Serie A season. As for where he'll go next, you can get 40 to 1 as the next Arsenal manager, the same price as the next Man United manager, or 10 to 1 as the next West Ham manager. But before you get too excited, that's the same price as Lee Bovia. So the Champions League then, Real Madrid versus PSG is the biggie. Are PSG the real deal and can they go and win at the Bernabeu? Yeah, are they the real deal? Well, we make Real the favourites here, but only just. The hosts 13 to 10 to get the win, with PSG 15 to 8 and the draw 13 to 5. But PSG are well clear of Real Madrid in the outright betting. That's who will win the tournament. The French side are third favourites at 6 to 1, behind Man City and Liverpool, of course, with Real Madrid a distant 16 to 1 in that market. And finally, Lee, RB Leipzig are on an incredible scoring run. How many times will they find the net against Benfica on Wednesday? Yeah, this won't surprise you. They're odds on to win this match, 4-9 to to get the three points. And it's the same price they score at least twice against Benfica. While it's short odds, 8-5, to they score three or more. And it's still not a huge price, 9-2, to they score at least four goals in this game. They're certainly worth watching. You can find out these odds and more at paddypower.com or the Paddy Power app. Prices are accurate at the time of recording. It's over 18s only. Terms and conditions apply. And when the fun stops, stop. All right then, James Horncastle. We've been waiting all day to hear about Antonio Conte's advice to young athletes about how to, you know, without etc. It's more what to do before before a match or what right. not to do before a match, right? Right. Because, you know, some people say you shouldn't have intimate relations with your partner before well, a big and, fixture. Not, this, not Romario. Romario no. was doing the opposite. Not Ronaldinho, Ronaldinho yeah. as well, trust and, me. 
Oh, this was from an interview in L'Equipe, James. Nice. It was reported in the Italian media's Contest Karma Sutra. Nice. But the thing is, there's only one, one position. position. Right. So, I mean, it's a very thin one-page book that Antonio Conte essentially delivers to his players. But the question to him was, have you read the Kama Sutra? And he says, no, 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 no. And he laughs, but he said, but I've been a player and this is the player. advice. A player. <laughs> yeah, Play arm player. So basically, Antonio <laughs> says, you want to keep things to a minimum. Yeah. Don't go on for ages. Keep it as brief as possible and make sure your partner is on top so you expend as little energy as possible. Mm. Yeah. So there you go. But, but the best bit as well is the end, which hasn't been translated too much. Or I haven't right. seen it. He says, and preferably, the player does it with his wife. And do, do you know oh, why? Yeah, because then he has less pressure to perform well. Exactly. Yeah. Whereas if he was a new girl or another girl, he would maybe try to impress yes. with his wife, whether he's good or not. You know, it's, it's okay. It's which surprised me. Conte leaves no detail. That's, that, that was the, that was the yeah. leading of the question. Mm. It was all about details to prepare for a game, etc. And then the question was, yeah, even sexually. This would have right. gone down really well with Mrs. Conte. All right. But the only thing that will go down with Mrs. Conte by the side of it. Well, I mean, this is quite a segue. Um, <laughs> but, of course, Conte has been re receiving some post um, oh. uh, over the international break. Have you not seen this? Go on. Where he's been uh, at Inter's offices in Milan. They've received threatening letters. Oh, with the bullet. With the bullet. In yeah. There. Yeah. And also, I think, one addressed to his fitness coach as well. Oh, really? Yeah. So there's an investigation. Um, Is this in any way related been to these letters? No, I think this was, this was prior to right. that. Yeah. Uh, in all seriousness as well, it's a, I mean, this is serious, but it's a very good interview in Liquid Magazine where he also says, which surprised me a bit, that he wants his player to visualize the game before... It started. A lot of managers would say, I don't want my players to think too much about the game because otherwise they will play in their head and then not do well on the pitch. He says, no, no, I want them to visualise everything. I want them to, to play the game in their head before the game has even started, which is very unusual from a manager. Maybe a while they're team. engaged in other activities. <laughs> well, <yeah. laughs> I knew that you were. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know. I, I, mean, I have to say, it sounds an incredible interview. And well really done good. to L'Equipe magazine because it's... Yeah. Yeah. Way better than a lot of the stuff you have to read. Yeah, it's, it's from the correspondent in, in, in Italy, Valentin, who, uh, Valentin Paluzzi, who's doing a really good job mm, there. He so certainly well is. Was he known for scoring? Um, Conte. Conte. Mm. Well, got the occasional girl, but yeah. <laughs> now, uh, oh, Europa League. Who's excited about the Europa League? And if so, why? Which fixtures? Jules? Yes, I mean, Arsenal um, against Eintracht Frankfurt is probably the, the pick of. If you look at it, it's Frankfurt not a good week. Fans are not allowed yeah, to come along. No, no which Could is a real shame. Amazing. Yeah, it is. Why is that? Because they didn't because want they a good atmosphere at the Emirates. No, they misbehaved. Did yeah. they? Yeah, in previous games. Right. They had been warned repeatedly. Oof. The Wolves are off in Braga, which is always fun, isn't it? With their it's a rock in a hard place. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Wolves just need a point to qualify. A cliffhanger. Alvaro. Yeah, I was going to say it can be a really bad uh, week for two Portuguese giants. If Porto loses in Europa League, they are out of contention. Wow. And if Benfica loses in Champions League, same thing applies to them. So it can be really bad for them both. Wow. It's amazing when George Jesus leaves Benfica and is mm. no longer under the curse of Bella Goodman, he wins the Copa Libertadores. <laughs> true. In very yeah. spectacular manner as well. So, you know. Yeah. What are Lazio going to do against Cluj? Oh, it's practically already over, isn't it, for them? Mm. I mean, I think this is actually quite a good thing if you're a Laziale because they're playing some sensational football at the moment. Five wins in a row. They've scored two or more goals in eight consecutive games. Right. The last time they did that was back in like the 1930s. Immobile scored in his last eight games as well. He's on a hell of a run. And um, yeah, I think they want to concentrate on trying to get into the Champions League rather than just I think a lot of their players who've been around there for a long time now are just fed up with playing in the Europa League. <laughs> right. So, finishing fair. Finishing uh, finishing which, you know, are you suggesting that that's what's been behind their last no. minute defeats against... Uh... No, I think, yeah, Celtic, I mean, those were really fun games. Hmm. Um, the the doubleheader against, against Celtic and, um, yeah, that some of the Celtic fans' reaction to the antics of Lazio fans in, in Glasgow was, mm. was pretty entertaining as well. Yeah. Um, but no, I think it's got it's got away from them in the Europa League, James. Um, and you know, I think ultimately they legitimately tried to do something in that competition. But now I think they're they're in such a compromised position that they're doing so well in Serie A. I think they might just look at it and think, right, let's focus on that. If Atalanta can get into the Champions League, why can't we? Don't think the rest of Europe would miss them too much, were they to <laughs> fail to qualify. Getafe might make the uh, knockout stages. Not Alvaro. yet, uh, not after this uh, Thursday, because yeah. no matter what happens, uh, they can uh, still, I mean, 
they could still be out. Mm. But they are on course to qualify. Espanol is qualified. Sevilla is qualified as well. So well done to, for Spanish teams because uh, what you do in Europa League counts a lot for the UEFA coefficient right, as well. Right. And Getafe, I think that they, uh, they've got a genuine chance of qualifying. Basically, they need to get four points as far as I am not uh, wrong with this. Okay. They're, they're away to Daniel Sturridge's Trabs on Spore. Getafe have only made the knockout stages of European competition once before. Alvaro. Yeah, they played the Europa League. Uh, well, the UEFA Cup, as it was. The, that was the UEFA Cup. Yeah. Uh, in 2008, they managed to get to the quarterfinals. Mm. Uh, they got this nickname, the Eurogeta, uh, Euro Getafe, obviously. Okay. And uh, they were they were a team that uh, you would have been very surprised about them uh, being so far in the UEFA uh, knockout stages because they didn't have any particular star. They were a bunch of uh, journeymen who happened to be together at the right time. And they were about to knock out uh, Bayern Munich in the UEFA quarterfinals. It mm. was a four-all in the aggregate. Wow. And I remember that Luca Toni had to score a goal in the 120th minute of the last game just to knock out Getafe, finally. But they seemed to be unbeatable that day. Getafe was really resilient against a, a, an all-right Bayern Munich. Mm. Yeah. Very nice. Happy memories, referee. Well, not really, because then Bayern were destroyed <laughs> by Zenit in the semi-final. Wow. So. <laughs> there you go. All right. That's the UEFA Cup Stroke Europa League. Just tip-top entertainment from start to finish. That's coming up on Thursday night. Before that, hello, Gold Show, because Tuesday and Wednesday will be across all the action from Match Day 5 of UEFA's premier competition. Do join us for that on BT Sport 1. For now, though, that's it for this uh, Tuesday's edition of the Totally Football Show. Thursday will bring another Totally for your pleasure, and then we'll be back to round up all the European news same time next week. For now, it's many, many thanks to Alvaro, to Rafa, to Jules, and to James, and producer Charlie, and you, especially you, listener. Have yourself a great week, and we'll catch you soon. You've been listening to the Totally Football Show, a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, please email sales at muddykneesmedia.com. Keep up to date with everything across our Totally Football Network at The Totally Show on Twitter and make sure you check out our brand new website too, thetotallyfootballshow.com.